Welcome to the Future Tech edition of the Finding Genius podcast. Forget frequently asked questions, forget common sense, common knowledge, or Googling for information. How about advice from a genius in their field instead? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are the geniuses of their profession. Richard has made it his life's mission to interview the geniuses of their fields in areas such as AI, 3D printing, quantum computing, blockchain and Bitcoin, and more. Don't miss out on amazing podcasts with geniuses. Review us on iTunes or wherever you listen and go to futuretech.findinggeniuspodcast.com and subscribe today. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Genius Podcast Series. I have Rick Smith. Uh, he's the author of two books, uh, Slow Death by Rubber Duck, How the Toxic Chemistry of Everyday Life Affects Our Health, which came out in 2009, and Toxin Talks Out in 2014. And he's also the uh, director of the executive director of the Broadbent Institute in Canada. So, Rick, thanks for coming. How are you doing today? Doing great, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. What have you decided is your role and what's, what's important about uh, our environment to you personally? Well, I mean, your listeners, I'm sure, have, have heard a lot about uh, climate change and about uh, the threat that climate change poses. Um, I've really focused my work on the second great pollution problem that's, uh, that's facing humanity at the moment, and that's, that's toxic chemicals, uh, the chemicals that, uh, that leach into our body on a daily basis from uh, the, the containers we use in the kitchen. Uh, the the products we use in the bathroom. Uh, these are a whole series of badly tested chemicals that are very uh, common in all of our homes. And uh, increasingly, we know there's a link between these chemicals and uh, different types of cancer, uh, ADHD in kids, uh, all sorts of human ailments that have been on the increase in recent years uh, and turn out to be driven by a lot of these crazy chemicals that uh, that we've we've allowed to be put onto the market and in many of the products we use every day. Um, do you go into many homes as part of your uh, research, or do you you know do you speak to people that uh, whose job it is to be let's say a building biologist, or yeah. you know have done um, many in-home evaluations? Well, what we've done with our two books, uh, and uh, my co-author Bruce Laurie and I have been doing this work over the last decade or so. Um, uh, we're both scientists by training. He's a, he's a geologist. I'm a biologist. Um, and what we've tried to do to tell this kind of complicated story about toxic chemicals is we've actually experimented on ourselves. So over the course of 10 years and over a dozen experiments, we have uh, our typical experiment would be we, we take a blood or urine sample from ourselves to look, for instance, at uh, bisphenol A, BPA, which is a very common plasticizing chemical right. uh, so we take we take a blood or urine sample before and then we'll do a few things that uh, that hundreds of millions of people around the world will, will do every day cook with uh, different types of plastic uh, use different types of products in the bathroom that contain bpa and then we'll take our blood or urine sample after using those consumer products and then see if there's been an increase in the chemical and uh Inevitably, what we found is is that uh, yes, that doing these these uh, certain activities every day, very com- you know, that, that people would very commonly do, is having a fundamental impact on the chemical composition of our bodies. Uh, the good news here is that uh, these things are preventable, and so just but just by 
the other the other experiment we've done the, the kind of flip side of the experimentation we've done in ourselves is uh, shown that by switching up the consumer products that people buy you can actually uh, shield yourself and your family from these chemicals and then see a, a, a decrease in these chemicals over time so in some of the blood tests you did um, how much of a change in various biomarkers did you observe oh in in, in some cases a thousand times increase uh you know, just, just a couple of examples. So we, we looked at this uh, family of chemicals called phthalates uh, that are very common in bathroom products, shampoos, soaps, shaving products. Uh, phthalates are a really useful molecule. That they actually uh, carry scent in, in products. Uh, and there's a lot of evidence now that phthalates are hormonally active. So once we absorb phthalates into our bodies, uh, they are mistaken by our bodies for estrogen. And they do all the things in the human body that estrogenly does. Uh, so in, in that experiment, what we did is we, um, very simple, over a few days, we used bathroom products uh, with no phthalates. And then for a few days, we used bathroom products uh, with phthalates. And we compared our urine levels of phthalates. Uh, and there was a many times increase in phthalates in, in, uh, during that time when we were using phthalate-containing products. So... You know, we've, we've replicated this kind of experimentation with BPA uh, in the kitchen using different types of plastic products. We've, uh, we've looked at chemicals in toothpaste. We've looked at chemicals in coatings on furniture that off-gas. Uh, in, one, in one experiment, I actually sat in a, in a new car for a day, breathing in the uh, new car smell. Oh, I, I, was, uh, I was curious whether the new car smell, of course, listen, I mean, Everybody loves a new car smell. I like the new car smell, but I, I was curious whether it was potent enough to show up as uh, chemical increases in my body. And, and the punchline is uh, big time. My, my uh, benzene levels uh, went through the roof. Uh, so again, the, the, the sum total of our experiments over 10 years shows that um, arguably it's the, it's the chemicals you come in contact with indoors uh, that most affects your, your body pollution levels. It's not so much the, the pollutants that you might encounter out of doors, uh, even though I think most people, when they think of pollution, they think about air pollution. Or the, right, yeah, they do. You know, big, big pipes dumping into the ocean, dumping sewage into the ocean or something. Pollution is much closer to home. Well, why is that? Is that because of the repeated chronic exposure, or is it because that the air environment in a house or the proximity of these chemicals to you for a long period of time makes the exposure a lot stronger? Well, I mean, you, you put your finger on it there. I mean, your, your average American, your average Canadian, your average, your average uh, British person these days, anybody in, in the industrialized world anyway, spends well over three quarters of their life indoors, not out of doors. So, you know, part of it is just a function of where you're living your life. I mean, if you, if you, think, of, if you think about it, I mean, if you add together the amount of time that you're sleeping in your kitchen cooking, in your living room watching TV, uh, you know, running around after your kids doing laundry, uh, you know, three quarters of your time indoors is probably an underestimate. I mean, if you, if you factor in the fact that most of us work in offices, these and so nine to five, we're, we're at work. Um, so it, it turns out that, uh, that the kinds of chemicals that are in the paint that you put on the wall have an effect on your body levels of volatile chemicals, chemicals that are in that are in kids' toys, the toys that you buy for your children. And the kids are little, you know, they chew on, on the various bathroom toys. So that's where the, the title of our first book came from, Slow Death by Rubber Duck, because at the time, rubber ducks and chewy kids' toys were full of... Uh, so it's 
to answer your question, why, why are most pollutants that affect us indoors these days? It's because that's where we spend our time. And it's also because laws across the United States, across Canada, in industrialized countries are really crummy when it comes to consumer product safety. So we allow companies to make these really crummy products with very little oversight. And it turns out that they're full of chemicals that have been badly tested. So what were some of the, uh, in addition, what were some more of the insights you got from doing this self-experimentation? And then, uh, you know, what can people do to help protect themselves? We'll get to shortly after that, but, you know, keep going with insight. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I want to I wanna, um, underline here that we, uh, uh, this can be a bit of a scary kind of, da- kind of downer of a topic. So I, I, I want to I underline that, uh, that we did do this not so much to, to freak people out and, and demonstrate how polluted we all are. We really did it to try to pinpoint a few key chemicals that scientists and doctors are saying are really impacting the health and then give people some guidance on how to avoid these things and then measurably reduce their body levels and their kids' levels uh, because we've done this experimentation in ourselves so we know what works and what doesn't. Um, so you know, one way of thinking about this is the rooms in your house. And this is the way that we set up our experiments. We thought, okay, we took a look at the medical literature and we, and we said, okay, what, what are the chemicals in the bathroom that scientists are telling us are most problematic in terms of links to breast cancer and prostate cancer? And the answer to that is uh, phthalates and parabens. Uh, phthalates, I've already talked about, they're chemicals that carry scent in, um, in products. Phthalates also are, uh, they're essentially an artificial oil and so they're really useful to lubricate products. So something like a moisturizing cream, for instance, can have a very high phthalate percentage. Phthalates are, are hormonally active chemicals. Parabens are kind of a preservative in a lot of bathroom products. And again, they're linked to different types of cancers. So we, in the bathroom, what we did is we just used products with phthalates and parabens. We saw if that would dramatically increase levels of those chemicals in our bodies as we used lotions and shampoos and those things kind of uh, soaked into our skin? The answer is yes, our levels went way up. But then when we stopped using those products and used some of the increasingly available, comparably priced products without parabens and phthalates, our, our levels went uh, way down. Uh, we, we moved to the kitchen and we said, okay, well, what, what chemicals are doctors really worried about in the kitchen? Again, it's a lot of plasticizing chemicals, BPA, for instance, uh, that for many years were in, uh, were in all the market-leading baby bottles. Uh, so for a couple of days, I actually uh, drank out of my eldest son's, I drank my coffee out of my eldest son's baby bottle and then uh, saw what the impact was in terms of how much BPA I was ingesting. And my levels of BPA went up two and a half times just from doing that. Uh, so the message in the kitchen is to try to minimize plastic use, uh, especially when you're heating, reheating your food. Uh, and then we the question here. Yeah. What about um, restaurants and that food versus uh, eating at home? Did you do any experimentation there, or was it plenty to just do stuff around the house? No, we didn't experiment with restaurant food. It's kind of hard to. Um, uh, one of the difficult things about these experiments that we found out is that uh, we're kind of inundated on a daily basis with these with all of these chemicals. Like, you know, the uh, the U.S. government, for instance, has started testing levels of BPA, phthalates, parabens in the U.S. population. You know, something like 90, 95% of Americans have relatively high levels of these chemicals in their bodies all the time. Uh, we think that we pinpointed through our experimentation some of the more serious sources of those chemicals in daily life, but there's no way that you can track all of these exposures, exposures down. and very difficult to know what, 
you know, what containers restaurants are using in, in, the, in the back kitchen, for instance. Uh, hard to kind of factor out all these X factors. Um, so for our experiments, we really, we, we literally sat in our homes and, uh, you know, did certain things on certain days, different things on other days, and then measured the impact on ourselves. Did you feel any different, you know, when you sat in the car for a day and breathed in the new car junk and then, you know, when you used shampoo with or without phthalates, you know, drank yeah. from your son's bottle, et cetera? Uh, sometimes. I mean, certainly after uh, sitting in the brand new Chevy Tahoe for, uh, for eight hours, I and mean, basically I tried to replicate a, a kind of long road trip uh, in the summertime with the windows rolled up and the air conditioning blasting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of, I sort of got out of, you know, got out of the new car and uh, felt felt like I'd been getting bad air for the last eight hours for sure. Another experiment we did that that left us feeling kind of uh, kind of gross is uh, we were interested in uh, what are called perfluorinated chemicals, in, which are commonly found uh, not just in, in in coatings like Teflon in the kitchen. Anything anything in the kitchen that's nonstick is full of these chemicals. These are potent hormonally active chemicals. Uh, but, but these chemicals are also found in uh, coatings on uh, furniture, for instance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so any, any um, you know, stain master, any of these coatings uh, that you would spray on carpeting or your sofa to make sure that, uh, you know, the red wine stain could be easily sopped up. Uh, so for that experiment, we actually sat in a room. We, we coated a carpet with stain master. We coated a sofa with stain master. And we sat in the room with the door closed for a few hours and that also left us feeling a little bit uh, a little bit groggy i mean it's just the airflow wasn't great um but but one of the you know one of the things we did with all of our experiments is we tried to make sure that we were replicating the daily life of millions of americans and canadians and Europeans. uh there was in all of our experiments we didn't do anything outlandish like we we for instance if we were interested in teflon chemicals it would have been very easy to achieve a dramatic increase in Teflon chemicals in our body if we were willing to go to the local hardware store, buy a couple of jugs of Teflon, which you can do, uh, and then have a bath in Teflon. That would have definitely increased our Teflon levels, uh, but we didn't do any of that. I mean, we kept it. So a lot of our experiments are a little bit mundane because we were deliberately trying to replicate the daily experiences of everyday people. No, but that's better. And I'm sure you've been attacked 10 ways from Sunday well, it's an N1 experiment, it's anecdotal, uh, you know, the conditions weren't replicatable, double blind. I mean, I'm sure you, you know, <laughs> you probably had a, your, more than your fair share of attacks. Oh, for sure. I mean, the chemical industry wasn't too pleased with us. Uh, it remains, remains not very pleased. I mean, our, our latest experiment that we did uh, last year, actually, for the 10th anniversary re-release of uh, Slow Death by Rubber Duck, um, we are, again, a very, very kind of a, kind of a boring experiment, but huge, shocking results. It turns out that one of the main sources of BPA in, in daily life, and again, BPA, very hormonally active chemical, strongly associated with reproductive problems, women and men, breast cancer and a variety of other things. It turns out that one of the main sources of BPA in daily life are cash register receipts. So those, those kind of waxy cash register receipts that are the industry standard these days. It turns out these things are slathered with high levels of BPA. And we were interested in, in the question, okay, if we, if we handle cash register receipts just for a few minutes, is this chemical, is the chemical potent enough and at high enough levels on the cash register receipts that it would actually be absorbed across the skin and then show up in our bodies? 
So for this exper experiment, all we did is we sat at my dining room table with a bunch of cash register receipts in a pile in the middle of the table, uh, my co-author Bruce and I and a couple of other volunteers. And we just handled these cash register receipts for 10 minutes, uh, just, just kept, held them in our hands. And then we tested our BPA, uh, our urine BPA levels before and after, and lo and behold, uh, they went through the roof of a 40 times increase in my BPA levels before and after. So a lot of times these, these problematic chemicals are kind of lurking in unlikely places, and we, we've tried to uh, shine a light in those dark corners. Well, if you can, you know, you guys should go to a nail salon. Those are like death traps of the chemicals. I can't imagine the people working in them would, wouldn't have like massive health problems breathing and all that acetone and all the other stuff they breathe in every day. Ugh. Well, you know what? You're absolutely right. And there's actually been now very recent studies on their, on, on the levels of phthalates uh, and parabens in particular in nail salon workers. And you're quite right. It's through, it's through the roof. So there's, there's a real, there's a real, um, you know, in, in the old days, it was guys working in factories that had to worry about occupational health and safety concerns like air quality and safety at work and, and these sorts of things. But, but these days it can also be, you know, women and often immigrant women that work in nail salons. They're, they're really at risk from these chemicals. What about the, um, the chemical exposure of new material, you know, a new bottle of shampoo versus one you've had for a month or you painted your walls last week versus they were painted a year ago or, you know, long-term do these exposures go down where you can use these objects and these things, or is it just, they're no good. That's it. Yeah, that, that's a great question. It, it, it kind of depends on the, on the product that we're talking about. So uh, for instance, new versus old paint uh, paint has actually changed a lot in its formulation over the last decade or so. It's gotten a lot cleaner, a lot less toxic. Um, you know, those of us, I mean, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember like heavy duty oil paints when I was a kid and, you know, how pungent that aroma was and how hard it was to get that paint off if you got it in your hands. Um, today's latex paints are a lot more durable, a lot less, uh, off-gassing than older paints are. So, you know, if you're living in a house with a lot of old paint, chances are it's got a really high level of lead and other heavy metals uh, in a way that newer paints don't. Uh, on the other hand, uh, a lot of newer products these days, couches, carpets, uh, new, uh, new cars, anything with upholstery or foam, mattresses, for instance, a lot of these things will off-gas uh, for, especially for the first few days after you get them, and it really stinks. And uh, it's a good idea to open your windows because it's not your imagination. Like these things really do smell, and, and basically what you're smelling is uh, the glues, the solvents, the plastic chemicals that are in those things. And you don't really want to breathe that in, or your kids to breathe that in, if you don't have to. Uh, so sometimes newer products, especially right after you get them, uh, off-gas a big whack of chemicals all at once. And it's best to try to uh, avoid that if you can. Uh, but the good news is that a lot of these different chemicals, especially because of consumer pressure, a lot of these chemicals are, are, are disappearing from, from a lot of these consumer products. So you can go into anywhere in the United States now, you can walk into uh, a grocery store or a pharmacy and you'll be able to find two bottles of shampoo on the shelf. And some of them will say no phthalates. Some of, them will, will, some of them won't be labeled no phthalates, which probably means they do contain phthalates. And so uh, buy the 
no phthalate shampoo if you can. Similarly, parabens. You know, when women are shopping for cosmetics these days, uh, your listeners uh, uh, who are who have bought new cosmetics recently will know it's very common now in cosmetics. It doesn't matter the state you're in to to see no phthalates, no parabens on the label in the cosmetics, and so it's important to look for that. And the good news is, increasingly, these new, less toxic products are actually the same price as, as some of these older formulations. Uh, we've tried to include a lot of tips like this in our book, Slow Death by Rubber Duck, so people can check, check that out um, if, they're able, if they can buy our book uh, from most bookstores and online. So there's a lot of good tips. That's great. Um, <clears throat> any other macro trends you're seeing? Well, I mean, one of the, one of the really encouraging... I, I, I've got two kids. They're a little bit older now, but um, they've, they've been... Uh, you know, they were born around the time that our first book came. And there's been big changes in kids' products, really positive changes in kids' products across the United States, in Canada, in Europe. So kids' toys, kids' bath toys, plastic toys, uh, have less chemicals in the uh, kids' bathroom products. Uh, things like uh, um, the, the use of BPA in, the f- in formula containers. A lot of these chemicals have uh, this trend of getting toxic chemicals out of consumer products really started with kids' products and has kind of crept into adult products uh, just over the last few years. So, you know, I'm not saying the battle is won. I mean, it's still ridiculous that a lot of these hormonally active chemicals are in the stuff we buy at all. But uh, keeping the pressure on as consumers, demanding better quality products, demanding that these corporations do better. Uh, pushing our governments to get to get their acts in gear that's having a good effect well what about um, stuff that comes from overseas versus made here is that dynamic changing or is stuff you're getting from overseas like they could care less about what's in it you know what it's there's a kind of temptation to say well you know this thing's made in southeast asia there therefore it's of lower quality but actually the story's not that simple uh, a lot of products that are made in north america uh, are full of these crummy chemicals um, one interesting uh, positive step forward is that products that are made in Europe these days are much cleaner. Uh, European laws on this stuff are way better than the United States, way better than Canada. Uh, Europe is now demanding for all the chemicals that we've talked about and more. European governments are now saying, okay, listen, big corporations, before we allow you to keep using these chemicals in, in, in kids' toys or in products that adults use every day. You need to do a better job safety testing these things. Otherwise, we're going to yank these chemicals and force you to use chemicals that we know are safer. Uh, and so any, any product that's, that's made in Europe or made by a European company, chances are it's, uh, it's actually safer than a product manufactured here in North. So there's, there's, it depends on where you're talking about around the globe. And unfortunately, uh, most countries around the world, with the exception of Europe, still have the same crummy laws. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, I had assumptions, I'm sure, but uh, interesting. Well, very good. Uh, Rick, so any other um, recommendations? They can get your book, you know, Slow Death by Rubber Duck. Uh, yeah, they can. Talks out as well. What yeah, else? they can, they can, uh, they can buy, buy the book wherever fine books are sold. Um, and uh, we really tried to, you know, Bruce and I are both parents. We're both, uh, you know, just like your listeners, you know, we, we, we have busy lives. And so we, we tried to boil down the results of our experiments, what we've learned over the last 10 years, uh, and the solutions for busy consumers, we tried to boil it down to a sort of easy to-do list. 
so in the final page of Slow Death by Rubber Duck, you can literally rip it out and stick it on your fridge. Um, and it's got some simple tips for how to protect yourself and your family from these chemicals. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, Rick, thanks for coming. And I uh, appreciate it. And that's how listeners can follow up. Any other suggestions for them or uh, the books are the best place to start? No, I think that's good. Thank you so much for your time. You've been listening to the Future Tech Edition of the Finding Genius Podcast. This podcast is information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed. Review us on iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe today by going to futuretech.findinggeniuspodcast.com.